0: In today's brief, we'll talk about underground schools, Russian insurgents, and Reznikov's replacement. I'm Linnea, and today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, and we're in Kyiv, Ukraine. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The general staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that over the weekend, Russian losses included 40 tanks, 45 armored combat vehicles, 75 artillery systems, five multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, two air defense systems, and 1,640 personnel. United States National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby stated that the White House assesses that Ukrainian forces have made, quote, significant progress on the southern front of the counteroffensive, and a, quote, notable advance has been observed in the Zaporizhia region. According to the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, Russia has deployed a so-called reserve army, the 25th Combined Arms Army, so that Russian units from the Luhansk Oblast can relocate to the southern front in an effort to slow the Ukrainian counteroffensive. The Russian 25th was reportedly intended to deploy in December 2023, and the ISW has assessed that it is unlikely to be combat effective given the circumstances. Russian forces reportedly spent 60% of their time and resources on their first line of defense. Ukrainian Brigadier General Oleksandr Talnavsky said that, quote, There is a very big difference between the first and second line of defense, and now that the minefield on the first line has been breached, Russia has lost a lot of their advantage. There are, however, also reports of a significant tunnel network along the second line of defense that could prove challenging. According to Estonian Defense Intelligence, Ukrainian artillery have been able to push Russian artillery units back enough that they are unable to support Russian forces in some areas of the front. In the eastern theater of operations, Russian forces are reportedly making considerable effort to advance near Novoyokhorivka and Bilohorivka on the Liman axis in Luhansk Oblast, but have not been successful. Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar reported heavy fighting in Klishchiivka, Kurdyumivka, and Andreevka south of Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast, saying that the AFU is continuing to conduct offensive operations on the southern flank of the city. Geolocated footage indicates Ukrainian forces now control southern Klishchiivka, liberating roughly 3 kilometers in the area. In the southern theater of operations, Ukrainian authorities confirmed reports of Ukrainian gains near Virbov and reported some successes around Robotne, especially in the Novodanilivka-Novoprokopivka area due south of Robotny. A spokesperson for the Ukrainian forces in the area noted that the minefields near Russia's second line of defensive positions are less dense than the initial defensive layer, and the ISW posits that Russian forces constructing the second and subsequent lines of defense may not have had sufficient training, particularly related to the density of minefields. In the Black Sea, the Ukrainian Navy destroyed a Russian KS 701 speedboat while Russian personnel were attempting a landing killing six and injuring two. On the home front, 32 Shahed Kamikaze drones were launched at Ukraine overnight on September 3rd to 4th, 23 of which were destroyed by air defenses. The World Bank announced a new assistance package on Friday. The Housing Repair for People's Empowerment Project, or HOPE, Will provide 232 million US dollars to help 100,000 families in Ukraine make urgent repairs to homes that have been damaged by Russia's invasion, including replacing broken windows and fixing damaged roofs. The National Police of Ukraine has reportedly received 93,000 calls from victims of sexual abuse at the hands of Russian troops since February 2022 with the highest number of sexual crimes by occupation forces reported in liberated Kyiv, Sumy, and Chernihiv oblasts. While Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has said that he only wanted to be in office for one term, he announced over the weekend that if elections are held while there is still a war in Ukraine, he will run for a second term, saying, quote, In 2024, if the war is still ongoing and elections are held, I will never in my life abandon my state. The leader of President Zelensky's ruling party, Slucha Narodu, stated that Ukrainians who are eligible for military service who left Ukraine with forged certificates of their unfitness for service could be extradited home, but assured there would be no mass extradition. President Zelensky's representative in parliament, Fedir Venislavsky, submitted a bill that would abolish the exemption from mobilization for Ukrainian students over the age of 30 who have obtained two or more full-time university degrees. According to Venislavsky, the number of students over age 25 more than doubled in 2022, with some using it as a loophole to avoid mobilization. If adopted, the law is intended to be retroactive. One of Ukraine's most famous oligarchs, Igor Kolomoysky, was officially charged with fraud and money laundering. According to the Security Service of Ukraine or SBU, Kolomoysky is accused of laundering over 500 million hryvnia, that's about 13.5 million US dollars, between 2019 and 2020. Kolomoysky controlled Ukraine's largest oil refining company, Nafta, until it was seized by the government in November 2022. The company reportedly refused to pay 3.2 billion hryvnia, roughly 90 million U.S. dollars, in taxes in 2022. Kolomoisky also owned over 40% of Ukrnafta, an oil and gas extractor that was also seized as a so-called critical national resource during martial law last year. If we look further back, Kolomoisky was also the co-owner of PrivatBank, whose fraudulent activities resulted in the disappearance of 5.5 billion U.S. dollars. Privat Bank, the largest bank in Ukraine, was nationalized back in 2016. On September 2nd, the SBU announced that a Russian-linked priest of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church in central Zhytomyr Oblast was charged with inciting religious hatred in Ukraine. The priest reportedly distributed pro-Kremlin brochures promoting hostility toward other religious denominations, and portrayed Russia's invasion as a, quote, internal civil conflict, end quote, denying Russia's armed aggression, on orders from his metropolitan bishop. If convicted, the priest faces up to five years in prison or a fine. Underground office spaces in the Kharkiv metro have been converted into classrooms to minimize the risk to students and teachers due to frequent Russian missile attacks on the city and the close proximity to the border with Russia which limits the efficacy of air raid alerts. Children will attend in two three-hour shifts. There is reportedly enough room for 60 classrooms, which have added sound insulation, improved air circulation, and lighting in order to make schooling feel as normal as possible. A quick sidebar for some personal reflection— One of the more pervasive and insidious narratives we see across social and popular news media is that the horrors being inflicted on the Ukrainian people by Russia are exaggerated or overblown because people are still shopping, going to school, throwing parties, etc. What is being missed is the incredible lengths to which we as human beings go to restore normalcy for ourselves in extraordinary circumstances that in no way invalidate the trauma of being a country at war. As a Westerner experiencing Ukraine away from the front lines, I can see how easy it would be to forget there's a war going on. On our way from Lviv to Kyiv, we drove through Bucha, a lovely upscale suburb with plenty of people out and about, going to restaurants and hanging out with friends, living their lives. And there was a lot of new construction, to replace the homes and businesses that were destroyed during the Russian occupation in the spring of last year. The signs of war are everywhere if you know where to look, but Ukrainians cannot live in constant trauma, and no reasonable person should expect or want them to. Civilians find normalcy by creating beautiful and functional classroom environments in the metro station, having their usual folding chairs and yoga mats to make spending the night in the bomb shelter just a little more comfortable, and going out to art shows and enjoying banana milk lattes, which aren't delicious, by the way, when the skies are clear. The Ukrainian people are living their lives, and also the Ukrainian people are the victims of an ongoing genocide by the Russian Federation. It's critical that we, as Westerners, recognize the fact that those things are not mutually exclusive. President Zelensky announced during his nightly address on September 3rd that he's decided to remove Defense Minister Alexei Reznikov from his post with a recommendation that he be replaced by current head of the State Property Fund of Ukraine, Rustem Umarov. In his announcement, Zelensky noted that Reznikov has served through more than 550 days of full-scale war and the Ministry of Defense needs to change its approach in the way it interacts with both the military and the public. There have been rumors floating around the infospace for months that Reznikov was being replaced, to the point where some news sources prematurely announced his replacement before the counteroffensive began. Reznikov has been saddled with scandal recently related to possible corruption within the ministry, and his sharp response to journalists inquiring about it gave the impression of a lack of transparency. Ultimately, in our professional opinion, it was only a matter of time. Assessment here. Zelensky's choice of Rustam Umerov, a Crimean Tatar, to replace Raznikov is quite frankly a 4D chess move. If there was ever any doubt about Ukraine's commitment to restoring its 1991 borders, this should put some of them to rest, while also making clear to those who are somehow still under the impression that Crimea belongs to Russia and that the people of Crimea want to be a part of the Russian Federation, that Crimea is Ukraine. Our sister podcast, FAQU, Ukraine Explained, has a few episodes addressing false narratives about Crimea. I encourage you to give them a listen. We'll include the links in the description. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. In the temporarily occupied territories, Russia has employed, quote, extensive protection measures in an attempt to protect the Kerch Strait Bridge from Ukrainian attacks, according to UK defense intelligence. The bridge is a major ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, from Russia to their forces in southeastern Ukraine constructed illegally in order to connect to the occupied Crimean Peninsula after the Russian invasion of Crimea in 2014. Defensive measures so far have included smoke generators on the bridge, air defense systems, and underwater barriers of intentionally sunk ships. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported on Sunday that Russian forces had destroyed three unmanned surface vehicles, or USVs, targeting the bridge, but no further details were provided. Ivan Fedorov, the legitimate and exiled mayor of Melitopol in Zaporizhia Oblast, reported that on Saturday, Ukraine blew up a cafe in Kinski-Rozdory that Russian occupation forces had been using as an ammunition depot. Fedorov added that Russian personnel were in the cafe when the explosion occurred. Speaking of sneaky setups, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. Russian insurgents with the Free Russian Legion claimed responsibility for the drone attack on Kursk airbase on August 27th, also claiming that all targets were destroyed. You might remember the Free Russian Legion from clashes with Russian security forces in Belgorod Oblast near the border with Ukraine. The Legion isn't pro-Ukraine so much as it's anti-Putin. They have, however, worked in collaboration with Ukrainian military counterintelligence, as they say was the case in this instance. They also noted that the building that had been reportedly damaged by a drone crash was actually damaged by a Russian air defense missile. Satellite photos of Engels' airfield in Saratov Oblast in Russia show that Russian forces appear to be trying to protect Tu-95 strategic bombers from drone strikes by covering them with car tires. According to our research assistant, a former firefighter, quote, Russia should be aware that burning tires and jet fuel make a fire that's quite hard to extinguish. Just saying. End quote. The Ruchi Oil Depot in St. Petersburg caught fire on Sunday, with local residents reporting loud blasts coming from the area. Russian authorities stated that a fuel tanker caught fire at the depot, but didn't elaborate on how or report on damage or casualties. Russia has apparently been attempting to recruit citizens from Central Asian countries online to fight in Ukraine, offering signing bonuses and fast-tracked citizenship. According to UK Defense Intelligence, Uzbek migrant builders in Mariupol reportedly had their passports confiscated and have been coerced into joining the Russian military. Russia is likely making such an effort to exploit foreign nationals because a new wave of mobilization would be enormously unpopular in the lead-up to the presidential election in 2024. In news worldwide, the Minister of Internal Affairs of Poland, Mariusz Kamiński, stated Belarus would be, quote, completely cut off from Europe, end quote, if provocations occur at the border between the two countries noting that following a meeting between Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, Minsk was given a, quote, very clear, firm, and unequivocal signal, end quote, that provocations on the border with Poland, Latvia, or Lithuania will have, quote, far-reaching consequences, end quote, for Belarus. Should an incident occur, Kaminsky explained that all currently functioning border crossings, road and rail, passenger and cargo, would be immediately closed. The ISW reported over the weekend that Russian Deputy Defense Minister Colonel General Yunus Kudrov is visiting multiple African countries in a continued effort to assume control of the Wagner Group's operations in Africa, including Burkina Faso, Libya, and Syria. Self-declared businessman and tech bro Elon Musk has played an important role in allowing Russian propaganda about Ukraine to perpetuate via X, formerly Twitter, according to a study conducted by the European Commission. The study concluded that allowing the unrestricted spread of disinformation and hate speech would violate the EU's Digital Services Act on social media had it come into effect last year. And the growth in quote, reach and influence of Kremlin-backed accounts has grown further in the first half of 2023 driven in particular by the dismantling of Twitter's safety standards, end quote. Shahed drones that Russia launched during an attack on the port of Ismail in Odessa Oblast reportedly crashed and exploded in Romania, according to spokesperson for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Ole Nikolenko. Nikolenko stressed that, quote, Russia's missile terror poses a huge threat not only to Ukraine's security, but also to the security of neighboring countries, including NATO member states, end quote. Romania's MOD, however, denied that drones had fallen on Romanian territory during the attack, saying it did not pose any direct military threat to the country. The Romanian MOD noted that it didn't find any, quote, concrete elements to prove the allegations, while Nicolenko posted a photo to social media allegedly showing an explosion on the Romanian side of the Danai River. Let's talk military tech. The Baltic Sea will be host to a major naval exercise starting on September 9th, the first time an exercise based on repelling a Russian attack will be conducted in the region. Chief of Staff of the Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orbán said at a university event in Hungary that in order to achieve peace in Ukraine, the West quote must give security guarantees to Russia, but definitely not NATO membership to the Ukrainians. End quote, adding that Russia doesn't pose a threat to Central Europe since the Russian army has effectively hit a brick wall in Ukraine and hasn't achieved, quote, rapid and resounding results, end quote. I think that's meant to be reassuring. The U.S. Department of Defense announced a 192 million U.S. dollar order for AIM 120 AMRAAM missiles awarded to defense manufacturer Raytheon under the Ukraine Security Initiative all of which are required to be delivered by November of next year. It's worth noting that these will be newly built missiles rather than ones coming from existing stock. It's believed that Ukraine will receive the S-8 version, which has a range of 160 kilometers when launched from the air. The missiles are reportedly very versatile and are compatible with F-16 aircraft and NASM's ground-launch systems, the latter of which Ukraine has had in service since receiving from Norway, and which has a range of about 30 kilometers. Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine, Alexei Danilov, announced that Ukraine has been working on its own missile program and drones, and targets within Russian territory, even those located 1,500 kilometers away, are no longer out of reach. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.